A few weeks ago, I had two phones come into my life that changed me. We're going to take a look at one of them today, and if you read the title of the episode, you know which one it is. Plus, I had a great conversation with an old friend of mine about how the pandemic has affected his very, very unique job. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week I'm taking a look at the LG Wing, which is a phone that drastically changed how I think about phones, foldables, dual screens, and multitasking. But before we get to that, I had a fun conversation this past week with... Santa Claus. That's right, the big man himself. And as it turns out, the pandemic has radically affected his job as well. And my 10-year-old daughter and I were lucky enough to sit down with Santa for a little fun and games and a short interview. The video of the interview is our video of the week over on the YouTube channel. Are you intrigued? Well, pull up a chair next to this roaring fire that I built and let's dive into the news of the week. I am so thankful to USA Today because now I don't have to keep up with all this monolith business because they are doing it instead. They've released a comprehensive guide to all things monolith, including the, what, three more that have popped up around the world. And at this point, the monoliths are becoming less of a curiosity and more of a... Eh, okay, type of event, which isn't really helping anybody. And it was a nice little thing, and now it's just annoying and kind of boring, and I blame copycats around the world. It's their fault. They thought they were being clever, but they're really just treading on our dreams. But the good news is, wherever they decide to tread, USA Today has it covered, which means I don't have to. 45 years is a long time for most people. Hell, for many people, that's half a lifetime. But in the case of Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple... It was just a short break between companies because he started another one. And this one is based in green tech and blockchain. And as much as I understand the one, I really don't get the other. Sorry, Adam B. Levine. But from what I understand, E-Force, which is probably supposed to be pronounced like F-Force, but E-Force sounds much more badass. But from what I understand, E-Force is basically like a micro-lending service for companies to fund green projects. The way it works is, Jane Businesswoman has a clinic and she wants to go solar, but solar power for a doctor's clinic is like a hundred grand or something, and that would mean that she could only buy the medium-sized jacuzzi, and we can't have that. So she goes to E-Force and she says that this solar project will pay for itself in four years and then eForce goes out and finds investors who will fund the project acquiring tokenized future savings quote unquote basically they'll get paid back in the money that the business will save by being green I guess the idea here is to help investors make money by helping businesses go green which is better for the planet as a whole it's a really interesting concept and I wish was all the best for it his heart certainly seems to be in the right place so that's great hope this turns into a big thing and was makes all the monies and speaking of Apple and making all the money, Apple announced their brand new AirPods Pro Max over-ear noise-canceling headphones for just $549 and just... (laughs) 
sorry. I'm done. No, I'm not! <laughs> Five hundred and forty! you know that I'm not laughing at Apple, except I kind of am, but, you know, they made a case over the headphones that look like a bra, and that's not what I'm laughing at. I'm actually laughing at all the people that will, and I cannot emphasize enough that will buy these things. SpaceX has made headlines by shooting satellites into space with reusable rockets, which is a very big deal. Reusing parts from satellite launches is at the core of driving down costs and making commercial spaceflight viable. However, another company, Avum, which kind of sounds like a Scotsman interrupting a conversation like, Reusable rockets are great, but you know what would be greater? Avum, I have an idea for you. Avum! That's a great name! Thanks for that, Lottie! Sorry for all my Scottish listeners out there. Avum is going with a drone to launch satellites into space. And not like a drone, like a little drone. I mean like a big airplane with no pilot. And the best part is, these drones can take off and land in less than ideal conditions, unlike rockets, which have to abort a launch if a mouse farts two miles away. Now, if lifting something into the air that's 80 feet long and 60 feet wide and weighs about the same as a 747 with no pilot on board sounds like a crazy idea to you, well, I would challenge that it's not any crazier than strapping a chair to the top of 29,000 pounds of kerosene that we're using today. I think an argument can be made there. Launches are planned starting as early as next year, because seriously, who wants to do something even moderately risky in 2020? So we're going to look forward to reporting on those launches, and in the meantime, it's okay, SpaceX. No need to be jealous. You're both pretty. Cyberpunk 2077 dropped this week, and reviews across the board agree that it's amazing, but still a little buggy. Cyberpunk 2077, brought to you by Keanu Reeves, is an RPG based on a fairly short central quest, but an entire cityscape to explore and tons of side quests to enjoy. The only problem is bugs prevent you from really enjoying them all that much. Not to say that the game is bad, far from it. The game is spectacular, and I'll be honest, after reading some of the reviews, I'm tempted to buy it myself on Stadia, except for the fact that I don't play games. One of the best parts about the reviews is that the core foundation of this idea is not only solid, but arguably fantastic. All that remains is squashing some bugs around the gameplay, and that's really great news, because bugs can be addressed. But if you have a fundamental flaw in your gameplay, you're pretty much DOA. It's like when you buy a car. If you don't like the shifter knob, or the color, or the rearview mirror... You can change those, but if the wheels fall off as soon as you shift it into drive, well, it really doesn't matter what radio you have, does it? This next story is just your weekly reminder that the Trump administration and TikTok still have not reached an agreement, and TikTok is still not banned. And now, I yield the rest of my time for this story to continue laughing at the AirPods Pro Max. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh 
Uber once sought to be the premier self-driving manufacturer so it could get rid of those pesky drivers that kept cutting into its profits. Well, now it seems to have given up the goat and sold off its self-driving division to Aurora, one of the nation's leading self-driving startups. Now, Uber will have a minority stake in that company and will just go back to treating its human drivers like crap. But this really is a smart move. Uber now figures that it can simply license self-driving tech once it's fully baked and not have to absorb the costs of developing it. Once the tech is ready to go, then Uber can kick its fleet of drivers and cars to the curb and go back to printing its own money and, you know, really good for them. No, not really. Uber is like two rungs below Facebook on the ladder of garbage companies out there. I hope Aurora develops the tech and gives Lyft exclusivity for the first 10 years while Uber goes and sits in a corner and thinks about what it has done. And speaking of Facebook... Holy crap, folks. This is going to be interesting to watch. The FTC and somewhere between 48 and 46 states in the U.S. are suing Facebook to break it up from Instagram and WhatsApp. And I'm going to say it again, folks. Holy crap sticks. The FTC filed the suit claiming anti-competitive practices against other competitors and against WhatsApp and Instagram because, yeah... They kind of did that. Curiously, I could not find who were the two to four states not suing Facebook. Near as I can tell, Georgia is one of them because they're seemingly too busy dealing with a runoff election to determine the entire seat of power in Washington. The other three suspects I found were Alabama, who barely has internet, let alone Facebook, South Carolina, because they're all too busy going to balls and polo matches, and South Dakota, which I swear to God until I researched this story, I kind of forgot was actually a state. Anyway, Facebook was not thrilled, as you can imagine, and they raise a fairly good point by saying, quote, Years after the FTC cleared our acquisitions, the government now wants a do-over with no regard for the broader impact that precedent would have on the broader business community or the people who choose our products every day. And let's be clear here, Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook is to social media networks as Denny's is to restaurants. You don't really choose to go there. It's more like you end up there. Still, Facebook does have a point. It's not like the government didn't already give the okay on this, and now they're all like, What? We didn't know it would be this bad. Well, yeah, that kind of sucks for you, U.S. government. This is a dirty play for sure, but it's Facebook, so they're going to get absolutely no sympathy from me. Go get them, U.S. government. Oh, and we're not done with Facebook because Germany is also investigating Facebook for antitrust allegations related to tying Oculus and Facebook accounts together, which in all honesty was kind of a crap move to begin with, but then again, Facebook is the crappy company run by terrible people. It's super early in this investigation, and it's also in Germany, so who knows if there's going to be a global impact. It's still way too early to tell. And now, I yield the rest of the time for this news story to continue laughing at the Apple AirPods Pro. Max. dogs laughing. These next two stories go together, and one is a little sad, while the other one is way overdue. 
This month, the Google Pixel 2 received its final update from the mothership. Three years after its introduction, Google has shipped the last update that this phone will ever see, and while it's good to see Google continuing to support its hardware three years later, it's also a little maddening to know that A, Google doesn't require that of anybody else, and B, Apple is more like five years. But still, rest softly little phone with an amazing camera. Fare thee well. On the flip side, Adobe just released its last update to Flash, and yeah, that took way too long. Look, Flash was cool for what it did at the time, but that thing got really old really fast, and I'm still embarrassed that I ever wanted that on my phone, while at the same time, I'm still annoyed that I never got it. These days, much better stuff can be done with much cleaner code, and none of it matters because chances are we're all still running it in Chrome, so it's still a resource hog that bogs everything else down, but good riddance, Flash. I wish we'd never known ye. And in the latest case of what goes around comes around, and yes, I'm only reporting the story so I can tell that joke, a rocket booster from a NASA mission from the 1960s re-entered Earth orbit after floating around in space for 60 years. The Surveyor 2 was one of five unmanned missions that NASA sent to the moon, four of which were successful. This one? Not so much. As Surveyor 2 approached the moon, it fired its rocket in order to course correct and ended up slamming into the moon at a not-so-gentle 2.7 kilometers per second. During the mission, the rocket booster ejected from the ship, that was normal, and after leaving Earth's gravity, it entered a solar orbit and just kind of drifted around the sun for the last 60 years. And in August this year, the Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System in Hawaii spotted an unusual piece of debris flying around us, and it was dubbed 2020SO. There's a much longer story here explaining how, but the TLDR version of this is they figured out that the object was indeed the Centaur rocket from the Surveyor 2 mission. The booster will remain in our orbit for a few more months before once again heading out into solar orbit, reconnecting with us around 2036 or so. Which will be fun, but really, folks, can we please focus on the Apophis asteroid and figure out where that's going to be in 2068 before we worry about another piece of space junk? Thanks. Disney Plus dropped some really intriguing trailers this week from pretty much all of its properties, and among them we saw new trailers for WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Andor, The Bad Batch, and more. And for those not familiar, the first three are from Marvel, and the latter two are from Star Wars. Additionally, Disney announced that Rosario Dawson will reprise her role as Ahsoka Tano in her own spin-off series from The Mandalorian, and also will get a new series called Rangers of the New Republic. Ahsoka is fairly straightforward, but there's little that we know about Rangers except that Chuck Norris will not be in it, which honestly... It's kind of a shame. But seriously, though, Disney Plus is pushing a lot of the right buttons, which kind of helps justify the $1 increase to its price it also announced this week. I linked my favorite one of the trailers that came out, Loki, because it looks really awesome. WandaVision looks to be very good as well, which is a good thing because that series launches just on the other side of New Year's Eve, so we'll be able to talk about that one quite a bit in the year to come. And finally, I want to end this on a high note, and this is not tech, by the way, but it's a nice story, and I frankly need a nice story after this hell of a week. 
It's not uncommon for people in a drive-thru to pay it forward by picking up the tab for the car behind them. Well, at a Dairy Queen in Minnesota, over 900 cars did that one after another after another after another over the span of three days. The first question you undoubtedly have is, how did they do that if the store had to close? And as it turns out, the last guy on Thursday night left $10 for the first person on Friday morning. And the same thing happened for Friday into Saturday. But then the second question you got to ask is, who was the one that broke the chain? I mean, I don't want to turn this amazingly positive story negative, but come on. Now, what I choose to believe is that the last person on Saturday night, right before closing, didn't have any cash on them because it's 2020 and seriously, who has cash anymore? Or perhaps they just simply didn't think to leave money for the next day. I know I probably wouldn't, so I'm letting them off the hook with a complete pardon and I know that they would have left money for Sunday if they'd thought of it sooner. Hey everybody, this podcast is being sponsored by Podcorn, which is a marketplace where podcasters can connect with sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads like what I'm doing right now, topical discussions because people like it when you're topical, or interview segments. And the cool part is they welcome all podcasts, great and small. If you have a podcast, you should be visiting podcorn.com like every day. There are a ton of opportunities there, and if I'm not being too meta, this host read is one of them. I'm genuinely excited about this service, though, because monetization is hard, and Podcorn just lays it all out for you. So while I thank them for sponsoring the show, I also thank them for existing, because it's a great service, and you should definitely check it out. There's a link in the show notes and on benefitofadow.com, but it's very simply podcorn.com. That's P-O-D-C-O-R-N. Once again, that's podcorn.com, and I thank them for sponsoring this episode. This week, I got to have a chat with the BMOC. That's right, Santa Claus. He took some time out of his busy schedule to have a chat with me and my 10-year-old daughter so I could ask about some of the challenges that he's faced during the pandemic and how he's using technology to overcome them. Now, what you're about to hear is the interview portion of the video, which is going up on YouTube as we speak. And the YouTube video is a little bit longer because we play some games and he talks to my daughter, yada, yada, yada. This is just a cute little thing I did, so bear with me. And if you have little ones, consider letting them listen in or maybe head on over to Santa Claus calls.com to sign up for a 10 minute slot what i can tell you is that my daughter has been on cloud nine since the call so let me tell you folks it works and i'm sure you'll understand that since my daughter was standing next to me it was very important that everyone stay in character right got it good so without further ado here's santa well it's so good to see both of you yes yeah, my elf tinker has been working extra hard to make sure I have all of the technology necessary to do virtual calls. He made me this beautiful backdrop. It looks just like my workshop. We yeah. Have my routes for the year, and then I even have a nice digital fireplace. Keeps me nice and toasty. Uh huh. Yes. Very cool. So, uh, Santa, your uh, your job has been just as affected by the pandemic as everybody else's job. You're having normally you'd be sitting in a mall right now waving at people and taking pictures. But now you're going virtual as well. Yes. And it's such a great opportunity because I can be in so many places at the same time. I know. Well, I mean, you're good at that. 
you know, yes. that's always been that's always been your specialty. So that's that's pretty amazing. So what other challenges have you run into because of the global uh, crisis that's going on right now? And how have you been able to overcome them? Yes. So technology has been so helpful for this. And my elf tinker has been handling a lot of it for me. Uh, a few months ago, I had no idea what a green screen was. <laughs> and so now we can use it and we utilize uh, Google Slides to tell stories. We tell storybooks and okay. we use uh, webcams, obviously. And we use booking systems to make sure I can organize my naughty and nice list and who I'm going to talk to online. And mm -hmm. it's just wonderful. It's the uh, honestly, this couldn't happen at a better time technologically because I, it's such a wonderful opportunity to see everyone on the. You see, that's what I've been saying. That's what I've been saying that all along, haven't I? So yeah, because I know Caitlin has been taking has been doing school at home, and her brother has been doing school at home, and I work from home. I've always worked from home, so that wasn't much of a change for me. Mm -hmm. But um, so one thing that I think everybody has always wanted to know, um, you know, when you're coming down the chimney and you're leaving presents under the tree, sometimes you're leaving like pieces of technology, like iPads, for example. How do the elves go about building like pieces of technology like that? They've gotten really good at it. Yes, so it's a little bit of school and a little bit of magic, yes? Uh -huh. <laughs> and so our elves work extra hard to make toys. And I must say, you know, toys have gotten a lot more complex over the last few years, if you ask me. Yes, I remember have. back in the day when it was just a simple rocking horse or a train, but now, Everyone wants one of these. Even Santa has one. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, that that's that's really amazing. What other what other ways has technology helped you uh, do your job? Not only you know not only these days, but you know leading up to this year. Because I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Yes. Well, uh, we use our GPS. That's that's very big for us. It oh, helps sure. us make sure that we have the fastest route because as you all know, I see a lot of homes in one night. But here's a little clue though that a lot of people don't realize is there's different time zones. So ah. it's already tomorrow in Australia. So really, as long as I can keep up with the turn of the earth and go that fast, I have enough time. But we that's still amazing. need to make sure that we have the quickest route possible. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember, you know, I mean, there's got to be, you know, a certain amount of magic and a certain amount of technology that's involved. That's right. In we use magic and technology together. It's amazing. It's amazing. So um, what uh, what's some of the fun surprises that you've seen this year from your Zoom calls so far? Yes. So we do all sorts of fun things. Um, we uh, do corporate events and I meet with families as well. And one of the great things about this as well is we have families that haven't seen each other that connect. So for instance, we had a family from Colorado with relatives in Vermont and they were all on the same call. Uh, we also did corporate events where uh, we had a Christmas party online. They all received cookie decorating kits and decorated their cookies and I judged them in a cookie contest. Cool. And we have all sorts of fun activities. We do trivia. I tell stories. We do fun Mad Libs. So we have all sorts of different things that we can do and all sorts of games that we can play. Because even though we're meeting virtually, it doesn't mean that we have to lose the fun or the spirit of Christmas. Well, that is amazing. Thank you so much for yes. taking time. I mean, you're so busy these this at this time of year, and you're taking your time out to come talk to kids like Caitlin and all kids all around the world. So that's it's amazing that you're able to uh, that you're able to do this for us. Thank you so much.
Definitely. And the best way to do that, it helps me a lot. I use SantaClausCalls.com. It helps organize all of my calls. So then that way I know who I'm seeing when I'm seeing them. So if someone wanted to book a time with you, they could just go to SantaClausCalls.com. They just pick a time from the, from the list there. And, uh, and then it's all scheduled and all set up and ready to go. That is correct. And times are going quickly because as I said, I'm only one man and yep. I want to spend time with everyone. So I definitely suggest that people go sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. So get over to SantaClausCalls.com, right? Yes. Amazing. Amazing. So, well, Santa, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us and, um, you know, continue using technology to help you get through your daily life. And, and uh, you know, we uh, maybe we can circle back next year and talk about how times have changed even more. I would love that. Well, I hope you both have a Merry Christmas. And you too, even though you're going to be busy, enjoy your time off on December 26th. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm going to Florida. I'm excited. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. With a mask, though. Always with a mask. mask. <laughs> I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. You too. Thank you so much. You know, it's funny. We talked a few weeks ago about two phones that came into my life and changed everything for me. And those phones were the iPhone and the LG Wing. Not coincidentally, those are the two most overdue reviews that I have for this podcast. And it's not that I'm intentionally putting off the reviews, except I kind of am. But today is the day to stop putting off one of them. This is going to be a little bit different, but then again, so is the LG Wing. So let's get right to it. This is our full review of the LG Wing. Now, before I tell you what this phone is, I need to tell you what it is not. And quite frankly, what this phone is not is for everyone. Look back to our LG Velvet review and you'll see a lot more of the same. It's mostly the same spec sheet up and down the board. The same processor, the Snapdragon 765G, the same memory, 8GB, the same storage, 128GB, the same 6.8-inch POLED screen, the same toughness, mil standard 810G, it's all been done before. But then you get to the differences between the two, and they're for the most part minor. The LG Wing has better cameras, including a pop-up selfie for a bezel-less display. The LG Velvet has a slightly larger battery. The LG Velvet has a slightly lower price tag by about a third. Oh, and then there's one other little thing. The LG Wing's screen freaking rotates away to reveal a second screen built into the freaking phone. And if you thought this was going to comprise the bulk of our conversation, well, you're right. So let's just dive right into it. The LG Wing 5G gets its name from the look of the phone when the primary screen rotates to landscape, leaving the bottom half of the phone in portrait and including a 4-inch secondary display. The first question that needs to be asked is, why? And I'll tell you why. Because it's amazing. First, let's get into the mechanism. When this phone is closed, it looks like an ordinary phone that anyone could buy at any time. When you go to open the phone, the bottom swings out to the left until it forms a capital T shape. But it slows down just a bit so it slides nicely into place with a satisfying click. Which is slightly less satisfying once you realize that it's software making it click. But anyway, the same happens when you swing the screen back closed. The click, I mean, not the slowing down part. And to use an aerial term, when the wing is slowly sliding into place, it glides. Smooth as butter. 
I've opened and closed this phone thousands of times and it just never wears out. And I'm talking about the mechanism, not the novelty, except I'm also talking about the novelty. The screen rotates on a pivot near the top right of the phone along a track that arcs from the right all the way up. It feels great with only the slightest jiggle between the two screens. Seriously, it's not a big deal. You have to try to jiggle the screen in order to do it, so don't do it. When the screen is open, it can be hard to reach the power and volume rockers on the side of the phone because the screen gets in the way. It's not ideal, but the alternative would be to move the buttons laughably far down on the body and risk accidental touches like all the time. I don't mind the buttons being where they are, and it didn't take me long to figure out how to press them, but in the future, LG, a software solution might be nice. My review unit came with a case that sort of suctions itself to the back of the phone, which, by the way, is a mirror finish that is impossible to keep clean. There is no lip or anything for the case to grab onto, so frankly, the case kind of makes me nervous. That being said, I did hold the phone, screen down to the floor, and try to shake off the case to no avail. I do not recommend doing the same to your LG Wing. I am, after all, a professional. Finishing up on the hardware, there's no headphone jack because this phone costs more than $500, and the selfie camera, as I mentioned, is a pop-up selfie camera. The fingerprint reader is an in-screen fingerprint reader, and this one is a bit of a miss because when the phone is open, you need to use your second hand to unlock the phone, which is not ideal. This is actually one of the best times I can think of to adopt a fingerprint reader on the back of the phone, and LG just didn't go there. I really don't blame them, but it would have made a lot more sense. One last note about the LG Wing's hardware, and I really can't call this a gaming phone, and it not, has nothing to do with the processor or the memory. The main reason is because games with on-screen controls like Call of Duty and Fortnite make it hard to keep the phone closed. I tend to press down rather hard when I'm using on-screen controls and moving up, down, left, and right. Very often I found myself creaking the phone open rather than moving my character or sometimes I did both. Most of the time when I wanted to play games, I just played with the screen open, which is not ideal. The bottom screen just kind of sits there waiting for me to do something on it. It made game playing a bit more awkward, which is not good when you're ensconced in a battle royale. When the screen is closed, you get the same interface that is pretty much LG's stock interface these days, same as on the LG V60 and on the Velvet. When the phone opens, you get a brand new look with a wheel of apps that you can open on the top and a more typical looking app drawer on the bottom. You also get the ability to launch two apps at once. And the thing about the custom interface is... It's not really all that intuitive. It took me weeks to figure out how to add apps to the wheel on the main interface, and I actually figured out how to add dual apps before I figured out how to customize a single app. And I blame that a little bit on Google because of the gesture navigation. If you swipe up from the bottom of the wheel, nothing happens. But if you swipe up from just above the bottom, you get the app drawer as expected. And that's not confusing at all. Getting back to dual apps, this is definitely handy. I'm the type of person who doesn't use picture-in-picture -picture all that often, but having a movie playing in full screen while I browse Google or Twitter or IMDb on the second screen is pretty awesome. What makes it even cooler is that the Wings configuration puts the phone in landscape so you get the full immersive experience with the second screen providing just a bit more context. Now, is this the most powerful feeling in the world? No. But being able to play Call of Duty while watching the polls from the last election is pretty sick. And speaking of sick, constantly watching the polls is not healthy, but that's another conversation. But really, any combination of apps that you can think of, you can do, and it's really fun.
Moving on to the camera, I'm not going to do my typical camera analysis that comes with reviews, nor do I have a slideshow of samples to show you, except I kind of do, because my video that I uploaded about my 5G testing travels was shot almost exclusively on the LG Velvet, and it was mostly in gimbal mode, but there were times that I used the main camera, and I must say my manual handheld pan of Great America in that video was magnifique awesome and you need to watch that video to see that because it was handheld not in gimbal mode damn i'm good speaking of gimbal mode this is my new favorite phone to shoot video with ever period end of sentence Yes, it's limited to 1080p, which is not ideal, but when you go back and watch that video and realize that almost every shot was handheld, except for the ones that I'm in, obviously, it gets pretty amazing. It is just so smooth, and I'm totally fine with the fact that it's limited to 1080p because that's pretty much what I always shoot in anyway. I know some YouTubers are like 8K or GTFO, bro, but whatever. The gimbal mode also allows you to not only do manual pans with your hand, but it also gives you a joystick to control the movement of the camera. And when you do, a display shows on the viewfinder to show you where the camera is pointing. It's all very, very slick. You can even shoot in time-lapse and slow motion with the phone open. Another option is called dual recording, which I did some of that in the 5G video as well. This opens the selfie cam and allows you to shoot with both cameras at the same time. When you do, the files are saved separately and they're both square. Alternatively, you can choose to have them stitched together for you. It's very nice. LG thought of a lot of things here. Photos are pretty great on this phone. The main sensor is 64 megapixels, binned down to 16 by default. You have two ultra-wide sensors. One is 13 megapixels and the other one is 12. One is for ultra-wide when shooting with the phone closed. The other is for video with the phone open. I'm not going to nitpick here and wish that there was a telephoto lens. However, I think it's fair to wish that the main ultra-wide could have been swapped with a telephoto lens and you could just shoot ultra-wide with the phone open. However, that probably wouldn't have been all that intuitive, although this phone is not shy from lack of intuitiveness so take that for what you will dual recording mode doesn't really allow you to record a person that you're having a conversation with and yourself at the same time you have to hold the phone at arm's length to get your whole mug in the shot typical of most selfie cameras a wide angle camera would have been nice so that you could record a nice socially distant conversation with someone but mostly i think this is for shooting scenery and I guess your reactions to that scenery, I honestly don't know. I never really understood the purpose of recording front and back cameras at the same time, except for interviews, so yeah, that totally doesn't make sense at all, and look at that, I just figured out something live while recording. Huh. Well, let's just call dual recording a niche case. Overall, I'd say camera performance is very good. Best camera I've ever used? Well, for video stabilization, absolutely no question at all. It makes me very curious about that Bevo phone with the gimbal lens that came out a few months ago. So in terms of stabilization, I absolutely love this phone. And overall, this will be the phone that I use to shoot most of my videos until Red calls me with that sweet, sweet sponsorship, that is. Is this the best camera I've used, though? That's an arguable point with only the Samsung Galaxy S20 FE being a contender. The iPhone jury is still out. Getting to performance, I had no problems with this phone in day-to-day -day tasks. The Geekbench score for this phone are 577 single-core and 1900 multi-core, both of which put you on par with other 765G phones that we've tested, including the LG Velvet. Basically, it's the equivalent of the Snapdragon 845 from a couple years ago. 
could be much worse. Battery life is not surprisingly one of the weak points on this phone, but then again, it has a whole other half screen to power a lot of the time that it's on. When you have both screens on a bulk of a day, you'll struggle, really struggle, to get through the entire day. Also, I noticed using the camera in gimbal mode hits the battery pretty hard as well. On both days of my 5G journey, I had to top up the phone a couple of times during those days. Those were extreme days for the phone, though, judging from the over 200 clips that I had to work with when all was said and done. Plus, I did navigating and time-lapse videos as well. That was a rough day for any phone, not just the LG Wing. And overall, I'm not disappointed in the battery life. It's a one-day, but... You know, plug it in for a little bit if you're going to go out at night type of phone. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with the most exciting phone of the year, hands down. One could argue that Super Zoom from Periscope lenses on Huawei and Samsung phones are pretty cool, as long as you don't advertise it as 100X because it is just not. Those might be the most exciting practical innovations that came to phones this year, but come on. This is a rotating phone that hides a second screen. That is amazing and a feat of engineering, by the way, because this phone doesn't have an IP68 water resistance rating. It does have an IP65 splash-proof rating, which itself is pretty baller with all those moving parts. I love this phone. I love that LG had the courage to make it. You hear that, Apple? I said courage. This is rightly a part of LG's Explorers program, which means that this phone is not for everyone. I can see creators getting a lot of use out of this phone. I can see hard-hitting multitaskers getting a lot of use here. $1,000 is a lot to pay for a phone that is basically just a concept, but there is one more thing that I need to emphasize here. Arguably, the main thing that impresses me about this phone is how finished it feels. There are some questionable decisions here, but overall, this feels like a finished product. You would be hard pressed to find anything here that is not done. It feels complete. And what do I mean by that? Consider the original Galaxy Fold. Go back and watch the reviews. As much as people love that phone, rightly so, there were some areas that you could point to and say, well, that part's not all that awesome, but it is a first-gen product, so they'll work out the kinks. And Samsung very much did that in the Galaxy Z Fold 2. Now look at the LG Wing, also a first-gen product, and there's nothing really obvious that you can point to and say, oh, that wasn't done right. Now, I'll grant you that a 4K sensor on the back for gimbal video shooting would be awesome. A wide-angle selfie camera, yes, I'm going to mention it for a third time, would have been awesome. You could have built in some software tweaks to make the phone a little bit more intuitive. Yes, all of that could have been done. Or you could just ship this phone with the tiny, tiny compromises and still have a great product. I love this phone and I love LG for making it. And I love the audacity of LG's Explorer project. This is an amazing first product out of the gate and they could not have started the Explorer's project off with a better product. And I'm absolutely stoked to see what comes next. So that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I'd like to very heartily thank LG for sending me the LG Wing to review. But as always, I'll remind you that LG had no editorial oversight for this review. These are my words. I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.
I'm sorry. I'm done. <laughs>